Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and I take you step-by-step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. What's up, everybody? Today we have a super fun episode. I am interviewing my husband, and I am doing this in honor of Father's Day. The whole point is that I really wanted to this week honor the role of dads everywhere in feeding, in in their feeding roles, whatever that may look like. I mean, typically, usually, anyway, there's always one partner that's more heavily involved in feeding the kids, and usually it's the mom. Of course, there's no rule around this. Um, It is so different for every family. There's always going to be exceptions. But as a general rule, I tend to see moms being more involved in the feeding world. That's why uh, literally 99% of the people that follow me are moms and um, are the ones asking questions and are the ones that are trying to like solve the problems around feeding. And dads definitely play a role, but it's usually a little bit more of a – I don't know, at least in our case, it's the fun role or it's the role of the parent who maybe breaks, quote unquote, breaks some of the rules, you know? And then I say that, but there are more and more families who are making this more of a joint role, which is so amazing to see, especially with the dawn of online courses like my baby led feeding course, my feeding toddlers course. It's so much easier now for parents to learn material together. And we have so many more dads joining the client's support group now actually known as the Little Eaters Club. If you don't know about the Little Eaters Club, you've got to check it out. Check out the link in the show notes. But we have had increasingly more dads send us messages who are wanting to follow our philosophies and and teachings around feeding and who are more educated on the latest research around feeding, but who are still struggling because their wives actually aren't on board or they have total opposite philosophies. So there's been a lot of conflict as a result. And this is a topic that I'm definitely going to focus way more on in another podcast episode coming up, but we do touch on it in this episode where I interview my husband. And we also get his view on my feeding approach. And we talk a little bit about how we handle things with our kids. Um, Again, his role in feeding and where he's kind of developed some of his ideas around feeding and so much more. I will totally admit, or at least I think it's a little bit awkward because I don't know what it is. Putting two strangers on a podcast or like interviewing each other, that's totally fine. But put two people that know each other like the back of their hand and all of a sudden it gets so weird and awkward. I don't even know, but I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have fun listening to it. I hope you find some humor in it. And um, I would love, 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 love to hear your experiences with sharing the feeding responsibilities with your partner. Do you resonate with any of the things that we talk about in this episode? Um, Do you have any stark differences that you want to bring to light? I think it would be so cool to be able to talk about this on another episode and feature other families. Um, This might, maybe this will turn into a thing like father's feeding roles and mom's feeding roles and just kind of the whole dynamics between that. I think that would be pretty cool. 
So anyway, I'm going to stop rambling. If you do love this episode, I ask that you please leave me a review. Just pause it at any point throughout the episode. Just literally scroll down in whatever podcast app you use and just hit five stars. You could even leave me a one-line review. It would mean the world to me and lets me know that you like this type of episode. So without further ado, let's bring you in on the interview with my husband. Okay, so Jimmy, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about you? My name is Jimmy Kennedy. I'm a father of two. Uh, I carry the load for most of the family when it comes to food preparation, feeding our kids, along oh, with their yeah. physical literacy. <laughs> okay, tell us a little bit more about you. About me? Yeah. Uh, what do you do for a living? I'm in real estate, both on uh, commercial property management and residential development. I've been doing it for about 12 years now uh, with our company, Valor Investments. Amazing. And how much do you love being married to me? It's not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Okay, I'll take it. Okay, let's start with what is your favorite meal to cook and what is your favorite meal to eat? Uh, definitely breakfast as far as my favorite meal to cook goes. There's definitely something about waking up, particularly on the weekends, cooking a big breakfast and having the whole family in the kitchen. And uh, me and the boys are really into soccer, so we wake up, have our big breakfast, put soccer on, and kind of dial it into some family time on Saturdays and Sundays. And who would you say does most of the cooking at home? I'd say it depends. You know, I think uh, I probably cook more on the weekends. Maybe I definitely cook more breakfasts, but weekday cooking, I'd say, is, is definitely you. You take the, the lead on that for sure. Okay, I totally agree. I was, I was going to have to you if you said anything different than that but definitely you're the one who always will cook on on the weekends for sure which gives me an opportunity to sleep in and that is amazing I'm ever grateful for that um but during the week I think in terms of like planning suppers and just figuring out what we're gonna have and like even getting groceries and you know figuring out our meal plan that kind of thing that Definitely falls on me, would you not say? I agree. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so you get to cook the fun meals, and I feel like I cook the mandatory and healthy meals. <laughs> okay, so you do things really well in certain areas, I feel, and I know I do things really well in other areas. So let's hear your thoughts on what are the areas that you think you do well and that I do well, and when it, terms, when it comes to feeding our kids. Yeah, I think, um, well... Uh, I've got 100% barbecue responsibility, so I think a lot of the summer meals and uh, anytime we're eating outside or barbecuing, it's kind of my uh, my job, my responsibility, which I, I enjoy anyway. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as feeding the kids go, you know, they'll they'll always call or text or ask me first for snacks before they <laughs> ask you, which. I can understand why. Um, I'm probably a little looser when it comes to allowing them to have treats and, and that sort of thing. So, But, uh, yeah, so I think I, I'd i have a much more casual relationship with the boys and food than you would. I think you focus a lot more on uh, healthy meals and and making sure they're having the right, right nutrients and all that to, for their soccer and, and their general nutrition. Um, I'd say I'm not as deliberate about what they eat and when yeah. they eat and that sort of thing, but we uh, we always have a good time. Yeah, like I'm gonna call you out right uh, now. Don't can do I? That. Okay. When the boys were younger, especially, but I mean, I can definitely remember a few times in <laughs> the more recent months. Um, they always would say to me, or I would come home maybe like from being out on like running an errand or doing something, and I'd come home 
and it was well after like lunchtime or well after supper and I'm like did you guys even eat anything and you're like no I wasn't hungry <laughs> and I'm like well what about the kids and it was just so I mean now I say funny but I think um it's yeah definitely more been my role to like think of their schedule and like when they need to eat and what's an appropriate time they're big guys they can fry up some <laughs> eggs or make a sandwich or something like well, that. well they can and that's a good thing is now our kids have are incredibly independent in the kitchen and we get comments all the time about how amazing it is and like all the different things that they can cook and how did we do it and all that kind of thing so the secret uh, <laughs> is making them not cooking for them is the secret no well you know what it would be um good to kind of give everyone some tips on like what did we do what do you think was the main contributing factor to how we got our kids to you know be so independent in the kitchen yeah i think for me it's two things uh, they they emulate our behavior because they're boys i think maybe they emulate my behavior a little more than yours so when they're used to coming down and seeing me in the kitchen and cooking breakfasts and cooking meals and this sort of thing, they see it as maybe a cool thing to do or or, or a step to, to independence, right, and, and being grown up. So I think that's part of it. But also, you know, when we're in the kitchen, more often than not, we'll, we'll create a good situation. You know, we'll have music playing. We'll have some drinks. Everyone will be participating. And we'll have all of our ingredients and talk about the meal beforehand. And it's a little more ceremonial that way. And mm-hmm. I think they think fondly of the time spent in the kitchen rather than mm-hmm. it being like, oh, God, we've got to cook. What are we going to do? And, and making a chore out of it. Yeah, I, I fully agree. I think making it a place where we actually spent time as a family, as an event even. So, like, I know, especially when COVID started, too, we started having every single night, every single Friday night especially was, like, family cooking night. Um, we would plan our menu, we would go to the grocery store, we would pick up everything together, we would just get really excited about it, get in the kitchen, like you said, put on music, and basically have like a full family night. And so it was fun, it was relaxed, Um, we weren't really, you know, it wasn't like a rush thing, it wasn't like something we had to do, it almost just felt like something that was, you know... Yeah, the boys look forward to it. They would always ask us, what are we going to cook on Friday and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And then we even would start watching um, cooking shows together. That Mm -hmm. was another thing. So we really got into Chopped. We got into, um, oh my God, what's that other one? I don't know. I totally forget. A bunch of baking shows. And so that was something that I think also increased their love and interest in food. We talked about different techniques, who does it better, that kind of thing, made it a competition. So I definitely think that had a lot to do with... um, with how, you know, they are right now, how they are today. What are some of the other things that you would say contributed the most to our kids now being adventurous eaters? So not just like great <laughs> cooking, but like being actually, you know, willing to try different foods, eat a variety of foods and go to even nice restaurants with us, that kind of thing. Yeah. So although you're trying to throw me under the bus earlier, I'll give you the compliment <laughs> now. But when they were really young... Uh, you would always get them to taste an olive, taste feta cheese, even if they don't like it. Just mm-hmm. say, hey, try it, see if you like it now, take one taste, and this mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I think that they've adapted to that. But also, anytime we've traveled or cooked or gone out to eat, uh, we've never assumed that they would want to have mm-hmm. you know chicken fingers and hamburgers and stuff like that. So they would taste our food, they would order off the regular menu, and I think yes. initially they probably saw that as, you know, they felt grown up ordering off the, off the adult menu. Yeah. But... As a result of that, I mean, they've they've been very adventurous since I can remember anyway. Yeah. And they've, they've never really complained about 
you know, different tastes or anything like that. And I know uh, Jonah's even come and said, hey, I didn't like that before, but let me try it because my taste buds change every, yeah, yeah, yeah. every no, couple months or, gonna or just, whatever. I'm going to throw this tip out now because I always forget to mention this, but that was something I always did, especially when they were younger. If they said, no, I don't like it, I'd say, okay, that's fine. I know you didn't like it last time, but did you know that our taste buds change? I think it was like, at the time I read the fact and it was like, maybe every every week or every month or something like that, especially as they're growing and they're developing new taste buds. So I'd say, did you know your taste buds change every week? And they're like, no. And I was like, yeah, so you're t- you probably have new taste buds that have developed, so you should see if that made a difference. Like, do you think that it made a difference in terms of whether you like it or not? And they know I never pressured them. Um, and so they would take a bite, and if they didn't like it, I was like, oh, I guess it's still the same. And it was just like... You know, that's that's just the way it was. But they were tasting it every single time. And then they would also approach it with kind of a new curiosity, I found. It wasn't like, no, I know I don't like this. It's like actually curious. Has it changed? Like, do I think of it differently this time? And that more often than not got them eating it and then liking it. So that's a good tip that you brought up. And then also you mentioned about how we would take them like to restaurants and things like that. Like, I know we were giving them sushi from early ages and And as you said, yeah, we never really assumed that they wouldn't like it or they had to have kids' food. It was whatever we're eating, wherever we're going as well, whatever we're eating, they would have. And that was just the the meal for everybody. So I agree. I think that definitely um, those are all big, big factors. So now I want to ask you, what are your views on my general approach to feeding? (laughs) (laughs) So I want you to be totally honest. What are the things you love? But what are the things that you also think? I know you probably think some things are overboard. Like, give us a Yeah, well, look, I mean, I I didn't grow up in a household that was particularly, you know, focused on nutrition or or educated on the topic. So, um, you know, because of your career and, and your expertise on it, you come at it from a very different angle. Um, I think right now there's a war on juice that I find <laughs> a little bit much. It's not a war on juice. It's just trying to get you to see that juice is a treat in my eyes. <laughs> right. So I think the war on juice needs to end. I think that's a bit much. <laughs> when we were kids, having a glass of juice was like the healthy option. At least you're not drinking pop kind of yeah. thing. So yeah, I'd say that's that's one part of it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I always kind of weigh their treats and the food they're eating against how active they are and they're both you know extremely active so i don't necessarily factor in the nutrition of each each bite or each Mm -hmm. meal and that sort of thing all the time you know like Mm -hmm. for them to have several pastas or something like that i wouldn't wouldn't register to me as as inappropriate well i think it's funny i'm just going to interrupt right there because i think we have very different views of even what my approach is (laughs) so i think for you you think oh i don't want them eating pastas or that it's like you know, I don't know, you're probably assuming too many carbs or something like that. And it's actually not at all. (laughs) And as probably most of you listeners know, for me, it's more about balance on the plate. So if you have pasta, do you have a vegetable with it? Do you have protein? Do you have like, Mm -hmm. you know, all the fiber and fat and all that stuff? So I think that's also something I'm going to just bring up now. I need to tune into more Instagram stories. (laughs) Yeah, you do. You definitely do. But like a big difference between you and I when we're cooking for the kids, I find I'm always thinking of like all the components and definitely always have a vegetable Mm -hmm. at the meal. And then I find with you, it's typically protein and carbs. Mm-hmm. Right, like like a rice, a potato, something like that. Yeah. Um, 
And then if there's a vegetable, it's probably something small like onions and like diced tomatoes, which isn't bad. But I mean, it doesn't really, it's never like a vegetable side. Would you say that's true? Yeah, sometimes, I guess. <laughs> I think it's definitely true. But that's okay because I I mean, listen, I there's definitely benefits. I've seen with the kids. There's extreme benefits from having you and your style when you're in the kitchen and me and my style when I'm in the kitchen. Um and it is all about balance, of course, right? Yeah, so. I think you're more willing to play the long game, putting food out that they may not be particularly keen on in the moment, but saying over time they'll like it and they'll get used to it and this sort of thing. Mm. Whereas I'm, I'm putting a food that I know they're going to eat and that I know, you know, thinking mm. more short term of saying, well, they'll be full and they'll have sustenance and that kind mm-hmm. of thing from the time being. Yeah, and like I find you will ask them, what do you want on your pizza or what do you want in your pasta? That kind of thing. And I'm just kind of like, no, this is what we're having. And I'll, I'll try and think, well, they didn't have mushrooms in a while. So I'm going to put mushrooms in there. And it is yeah. what it is. You right? have more so, of a dictator. Approach yeah, I and I'm, I'm more democratic. with. It. <laughs> it's so funny. I'd call it more permissive, but that's okay. Yeah. We'll agree to disagree, which actually brings me to my next question. Do you think it's possible for both partners in the household who disagree with each other's feeding approaches to find some kind of balance and an equal role in feeding? Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I don't see why not, I guess. Can so, you give me an example of different... Well, imagine it was more polarized than our opinions are right now. So imagine you had somebody who was making them take a bite and like never letting them leave the table unless they finished <laughs> or something like that. And then the other person was where I am. Or, you know, like just yeah. there's bigger differences. How would you... You know, what advice would you have for for parents out there who maybe have differing approaches? Yeah, I think in any situation where it's a philosophical difference in how something should be handled, there's always experts. There's always people you can reach out to and resources you can find. This isn't a plug. (laughs) I I would say that in our business and in any aspect of our lives is that if, if we're both anchored on something and we feel very strongly about it, particularly with something as important as, you know, your kid's nutrition, mm-hmm. you would say, okay, well, who's the best resource or try to consume as much uh, educated or informed material as you can and say, okay, mm-hmm. well, this is why we believe this. How can we how can we meet in the middle to, to something that's going to make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Or if it's, you know, using your example of sit down and eat every dish or every, every you know, bit of your food, say, okay, well, let's try that for three months and, and see how that's going. And then we'll try mine and see what mm. kind of reaction we get. That's really good. Yeah. I like that tip. All kinds of good ideas You for should you. be a guest on this podcast more often. Okay. <laughs> would you do it? Don't pay me enough. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, now I want to ask, what advice would you give new dads who want to be more involved in feeding their kids, but... Ready for it? Mm-hmm. Whose wife takes over the situation. <laughs> so yeah. let's, you know, you know what I mean by yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I think that most... McDonald's have drive through <laughs> You just jump in the car and you got to run some errands, right? Throw the kids in the back and you're all set. No, I think that um, maybe setting a more long-term goal, you know, if, if uh, I wasn't plugged into the food situation and you said this is the approach we're going to take, I'd say, okay, well, let's take a couple steps. You know, you're not going to convert me right away, day one, 
you know, this is how we're doing complete 180 on our, our feeding process. But mm-hmm. if you said, you know, for the next three weeks, we're going to, I want to make sure there's a vegetable as a side for every dish. Mm-hmm. Following that, we're going to try to cut and bring it down to one tree a day or, and so on and so forth until you can do it gradually. Mm-hmm. Because I know for myself, if you make any changes, any substantial changes, and it seems like it's coming all at once, mm-hmm. it's too daunting to, to take on. And you're saying, you know, even subconsciously, you'd say, this isn't going to happen. Right. Like, forget about it. Right. It's hard to, to carry your momentum. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think that's also really great advice. Sometimes easier said than done, but I think that approach, I know for me, I'm the one who usually throws a lot of info at you, a lot of like, we need to do this and do this and do that and like add to your to-do list as well. And I throw it all out at once, but that's something that I've learned is to just Just text (laughs) text you a list, but you know, I think going in baby steps and especially like you said, if that's not where you came from if that's not how your approach is or not even approach but if you're not even the other thing that I'm thinking of is even just getting you or I should say dads in general more involved which I'm not saying there aren't dads that are so involved or who do you know feeding the take on the role of feeding their kids solely as their role but as a kind of trend that I constantly see especially dealing with parents on a daily basis moms maybe because of the fact that we are on maternity leave when we first have our babies we're feeding them all the time on our own for the most part and then we start solids with them uh and are spending most of the meals with them then it ends up kind of being our role you know to plan things out to think about their nutrition to think about um what to do what to say at meal times all that kind of thing so For somebody, if you want, I'm just going to throw this tip out because I know I've gotten a lot of questions about this. If you are looking for your partner to kind of come in, take on a bigger role, help out, you know, that kind of thing, it's probably wiser, based on what you're saying especially, to assign maybe one little tiny thing for them, right? Is that what you're... Yeah, absolutely. I think think if there's a smaller task or something smaller, a baby step that they you know, any couple can agree on, uh, you start to get success in it, right? And like anything else in life, once someone starts experiencing success, they're going to be more engaged, more enthusiastic and want to maintain that momentum. Mm -hmm. So as opposed to just, you know, throwing a hundred things at once and it's, it's overwhelming, Mm -hmm. get a win, start celebrating small wins and then carry on from there. Love it. Okay. What about when I'm always on you and on them about limiting treat foods and how I consider probably to you most foods as treat foods? What do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's tough. I mean, the kids obviously want treats. I obviously want treats. So it's a challenge. I mean, I think if we have a lot of good options in the house Mm. and we, you know, we have access to it, it's a lot simpler. But, you know, if we look in the fridge or in the cupboards and... (laughs) You know, occasionally there's there's only only the good stuff. <laughs> I was just going to bring this up because that is something you always do. You open the fridge or you open the cupboard and you're like, there's nothing to eat. There's no ingredients. And I'm like, it's all ingredients. You're like, yeah, but it's just ingredients and there's nothing to make a We're meal. We're starving over yeah, here. Yeah, you're starving. And I'm like, there's it's like jam-packed. So I think that's pretty funny. It's, Men want more than ingredients. <laughs> well, well, I do too. I mean, how nice would it be to have it just ready-made for me? But I think for you, you want like kind of more tr- what I, again what I would consider treat food like maybe like snacky foods or something like that yeah I mean we will usually eat plantain chips instead of chips so if we have them have them in the cupboard and we can have make a guacamole or something like that that's not as unhealthy as 
some other option, you know, then that's totally reasonable. Mm -hmm. But if we look in and it's like, you know, yesterday's lasagna and, (laughs) and zucchini noodles and And stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a lot less appealing, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I get that. Okay. And how do you think how you were raised contributed to the way that you feed the kids today? And what is actually important to you at mealtimes? Like, for example, I know one thing is table manners, but maybe you can elaborate mm-hmm. and talk about that. Yeah. And our family table manners was, uh, was hugely, hugely important. And, uh, you, you know, you'd be asked to leave the table if you weren't eating politely, which I, I still like, you know, I, I still put that on the kids and, and in our house, I think that's very important. Um, but also a sign of respect in our house growing up was that you finished your food. You know, my father mm-hmm. said, if, if my mom took the time the trouble to cook for us, we should take the trouble to mm-hmm. eat all of her food, mm-hmm. whether we liked it or not, or whether we were full or not. And we'd be sitting at the table for hours <laughs> and then we'd have this kind of standoff of, you know, is he going to cave or are we going to finish our food right. and, and that sort of thing. So it wasn't necessarily about nutrition and quantity or mm-hmm. portion sizes and that sort of thing. It was just about show respect and, and eat your food and, and kind of keep your mouth shut. Right. So, so you know, I think some of there's still value in that, but, you know, it has do to you? be... That's what I was going to ask. Is there, like, do you look back and think, oh, my God, I can't believe that's how it was? Or, like, would you... Because mm. you really haven't done that with our kids. No, but I do think to a certain extent, if you cook for the boys, hypothetically, and they're sitting hypothetically. there... In, in some crazy circumstance where it's you that cooks the meal and uh, the boys, it's not their favorite meal and they're saying, oh, you know, well, I don't want this. I want that. Hmm. I think, yeah, suck it up and eat your dinner yeah. and, and stop complaining, you know. Yeah, like, it's not, funny. Not every meal is going to be pizza. <laughs> because I think the same thing, but the dialogue in my head is so much nicer. Like, oh. I wouldn't be like, <laughs> suck it up too bad yeah. out of respect for me. Yeah, I'm just channeling my childhood it's, there. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I do think table manners absolutely are, are very important. And I, I think that just being courteous and that kind of thing is very important. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as I said, when we were kids, it was it was whatever food's available, you're going to eat it. And it was juices and pops and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was never a conversation because as kids, we weren't inside. And we talk about screen time and being indoors all the time. So all the kids in our community were always out running around growing up in the country mm-hmm. and everyone was thin and that was really the measure of health as opposed to actual nutrition mm-hmm. and actual health uh, healthiness or yeah. how you describe it yeah so that was kind of it when we were kids there was no conversations about you know uh, balanced meals and or even if there were i think it just looked really different like you said i think um like i know my mom when we were young like she would see nutella advertised as like a healthy breakfast and mm-hmm. so she was so excited i remember when she first brought it home and she was like this is healthy it has hazelnuts in it yeah, <laughs> and like yeah. just difference in in knowledge base as well which i'm not saying again never feed your kids nutella or don't have juice or we have those stuff but it's um it's different in terms of what we now kind of have access to and what we consider to be an everyday food versus like a treat food all that kind of thing has changed yeah and also when i was a kid it was it was looked at as you'd say you know oh my god it's kind of a sin that this kid has to worry about like nutrition Mm. stuff just be a kid don't worry about it right? right and now with our kids they'll say you know, I just feel like having something fresh and something healthy. I'm feeling kind yeah, of junky right true, now. Right? Where now that's seen as, you know, I mean, we see it as a, as a plus, as a, as a benefit. Mm-hmm. 
when I was a kid, that would have been seen as, you know, too bad that this poor kid has to worry about that kind of stuff. Just mm-hmm. go and have fun and eat whatever. You're young. Yeah. Right? No, that's so true. There's been a lot that's changed. Um, okay. Do you have, because you're so good at dad jokes, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have any, I guess, like, table-related, food-related dad jokes to leave us off with today? Yeah, I told the boys this one the other night, and they liked it. Um, why... Why do the French only have one egg with their breakfast? Why? Because one's enough. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, I remember that one, and it was actually really, really funny. I think that was one of the only ones that I laughed at in a long time. <laughs> I know they're good when I get you. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, Jimmy, I will say that I appreciate having you, of course, play such a big role in feeding our kids. And even though sometimes our philosophies are a little bit different, I think that the two philosophies together are really what have made our kids so amazing in the food world. So I think you've come a long way and I, you know, I think in the next couple of months, I'm you'll trying get to give there. you a compliment here. It's okay. <laughs> in honor of Father's Day at the very least, I right. just want to give you one compliment. So anyway, thank you so much for spending your time with us today and for making us laugh. And will you ever come on the podcast again? Yeah, we'll see. Now that I'm an influencer, I'll probably be in high demand. (laughs) All right, maybe we'll see you on Instagram. All right, see ya.